We are here with Dog Days Podcast, episode number five, with Muzz and his wife, Andrea. How you guys doing? Good. <laughs> Good. What's, what's, your, what's your guy's last name? How you spell on your last name? Tahir. T-A-H-E-R. Say it one more time. Tahir. T-A-H-E-R. Okay, don't worry about it. Can we... Can we start this first of all? Because I want to, I want to grill you on something, and, I, and no pun intended. When we met first in the UK, we were talking about cheese, right? American cheese and UK cheese, and we had a, we had a real heated debate. Everybody's there it was me, you, God knows how many people were, were around. We went out, kind of Charlie, and every, yeah, everybody was there. It was, a, it was a big gathering, and we were mm-hmm. talking about American cheese versus UK European cheese. Mm-hmm. Have you changed your perspective on cheese now that you've probably? experience more types of cheese in the world uh, maybe so 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 i'm i'm open so now i do it like a lot of like farming and like i don't know if you've seen like all my pigs and uh-huh. my farm stuff so i wasn't living like that when i first came over there you know so i i i'm into like more like homestead and stuff so i see like all the adders the fake stuff and the imitation cheese and what it's really made out of and yeah so you can say yes um you've changed you've yeah. seen the light now yeah you understand why i cannot eat cheese that says made of you know 60 percent cheese and doesn't really tell you what that 40 percent cheese is <laughs> what that 40 percent right. is <laughs> definitely 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 especially you kind of got to know what you're eating um especially with the way things are going now with like covid and having your immune system up and trying to you know stay healthy yeah, for sure. you really got to know you know, like what you're putting in your body. Cause I, I'm on like a decent little diet and I try to stay, you know, fit, work out every now and then, but yeah, COVID, it just, it just took over the world. Yeah. It was mess. crazy. It's been a mess. It's been a mess. While we on that subject, how, how did that affect you guys? Like business wise and. Business is all right. Cause obviously you know, dogs is in our main business, so mm-hmm. property is, and you know, we're just going along. You know, meetings and stuff like that. Everything's done online, which isn't a bad thing. Yeah. Um, the dog stuff-wise, training it delayed us a lot because obviously, mm-hmm. as you know, we're doing KMPV and we have to tr- travel to Holland like once every two weeks or almost every weekend. Um, and obviously that stopped us traveling for almost two years. So literally, we have to train on our own. You know, with a small group of us that up more and you know just basically maintaining and trying almost you know we're pushing the dogs quite hard now um because you know obviously the border might be open soon and traveling might get easier but yeah that really delayed yeah. a lot of our plans like we hope to have titled last year let's say and now yeah. it's gonna have to be next year <laughs> it's been a yeah it's been a it's been a real struggle yeah. i think for dogs wise it's been a struggle i think one mm. we've used it We've used it, I think, proactively. We've not, what we haven't done, I think, which is good, it's in our nature. I don't think we're the type of people that kind of give up and put everything to a side. So we've, we have trained the dogs. They've all come along in a lot of those weaknesses that they had. They've all improved. Where dog-wise, probably we're struggling is the finesse. And with KMPV, you can learn it off a book you've learned nothing you can learn it off a video you've learned nothing you can all of this kind of possibilities of learning it really until you're there in a club where they tell you you know the difference between one thing and the other it's the difference between four points and no points and it's kind of 
you think you're doing everything right, but then until you see the finesse, the detail, that's where it's been difficult. So without the guidance of some of those, you know, professionals or let's say more experienced guys, um, mentors, mentors yeah, it was just, it's, it's been very, very difficult. You can send videos and obviously they critique and send you stuff back, but it's just not the same until you see it with your own eyes. But yeah, I mean, apart from that, to be fair, Andrea said it, business has been good. We've been busy. Um, TV continues to grow. <laughs> it still does what it does. Um, we're covering the nationals. Despite COVID, we're now the official uh, vi- uh, uh, live stream of the KMPV nationals. Uh, that's great. So that's pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and that's still, I don't know when we're launching this out, but it'll be on the 3rd and the 4th of September. So that'd be pretty, pretty cool. So everybody can watch that for free wherever they are, COVID or no COVID. So yeah, that's been, we've been busy doing our thing, but yeah, <laughs> could be better. Always could be better. Yeah, so, I mean, it hasn't really affected me much. Like I said, I'm on this, uh, the property that I'm on, it's a lot of space. And I kind of just stay to myself. I do a few board and train dogs and it's not, it's not really too bad. It also helped me a lot. Like, yeah. uh, just, you don't have to do all of the everyday stuff that you, that I was doing before stuff that I thought that I needed. You don't really need, it just kind of shows you like how little you need yeah. to interact with such and such or do these certain tasks a day and then you I really got to myself and you know start doing it like I wouldn't be doing this without it you know like just you get a lot of time to think a lot of ideas and um I spent a lot of time with my kids you know which which is is crazy so I'm having fun with this um but how did you um what made you switch from you know, like what we was doing before, just a lot of just action to the KMPV side, which is kind of like what I did now. So right now I'm in a uh, a shooting club just because uh, I just wanted to do something different and kind of switch it up. So what made you guys switch to what you guys are doing now? Wow, it was, I think it's okay. I think the more deep rooted, like, reason is probably because like let's say in uk we have trials like night trial which is happening this weekend we have a lot more dependent pursue and those two are sort of like the biggest um events of the year which is all about bite 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 and you know a lot more there's control beforehand but obviously i think everyone's more into the biting stuff you know um without control um there's obviously a lot of ipg clubs here but you know it's not really my thing um and then you know obviously we traveled to holland a couple of times and i was like oh this is amazing you know how the dog come in the long sand the, the control you know the dogs are like just just it was mind-blowing yeah the first few times that we've been and i was like you know what i want to do this you know i want to try um and obviously back then we only had two of our dogs you know demon hanzo and we thought you know what hanzo did all the crazy stuff but well, i had a little bit of control and i thought you know what let's see whether he's going to do it or not. Like he's going to be my first dog to just play with, you know? And I was like, you know what, let's see whether he's got or not. And it sort of went from there, you know, obviously it was quite, um, it was quite a big learning curve for the dog and for us, you know, it was very eye opening, you know, a lot of the training trainings, you know, what is expected of the dog and stuff like that. And then we just sort of gone from there. And then obviously afterwards, you know, we've got Raz now as well. That's doing KMPV, who started in KMPV. You know, he didn't do none of the crazy stuff. He started literally in KMPV and, 
you know, enjoying the journey. You know, it's uh, quite a nice sport. Yeah, for, for, for me, I think it's, it's partly, obviously, learning something new. And I think as a trainer, you will never really excel until you have to solve problems. I think before that, it's all theory until you get to the point of actually having to solve problems. Mm-hmm. And you won't solve problems without having a goal to solve problems in order to achieve being set for you that's one two for me i think is also fairness and I've, I've you know it's no secret i say it how it is i think working dogs big part of it still remains ego uh, a lot of times i think the handler writes the checks for the dogs that sometimes the dogs shouldn't even be able to or shouldn't be allowed to cash and i think that's that's always been a big thing for me whereas is it fair is what we're doing with the dogs fair and that fairness, I think, it starts to diminish over time. We're all, I think, breeders and trainers and the kind of dogs you like and I like and Andrea likes and you know, all the people that, you know, you know and talk about. We like a certain level of dog. Most dogs will tick that 99% of stuff that you put them in, put in front of them. An average dog bred nowadays with the right type of drives and mentality will tick those boxes that, 70, you know, 30, 40 years ago were probably more challenging for dogs. Now it's become more a question of, okay, it's ticked that 99% of stuff. Let's now set it up to see where it fails. And I think training in that mentality, I, I've, I never think it's, it's a fair way to do it. If you're training to find failure consistently, you're effectively, you know, just think of it. But what you mean is it's more it, testing though. Yeah, it's a more testing, testing mentality yeah. and the testing mentality you know testing you, raw genetics yeah yeah exactly exactly so you're constantly testing raw genetics raw genetics raw gen- okay but there comes a point when you go you've done that now to the cows come home we, we we get it you know okay the dog can take a hit the dog can take a stick hit the dog can take a a, a, a bottle a hit over the head you know whatever it is that you want to do that you want to test it with but you're testing the same thing over and over again in the same in the same way but you're varying the 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 method of testing so if you know you think about a typical trial testing with a canister testing with a stick testing with a man versus testing to at what point have we tested the other attributes of the dog so that bit where you have the dog here is testing with a decoy at what bit have we tested the dog with a handler and that was where me and andrea probably started to look at this and go nobody's really testing how strong the dog is when he has to perform under under pressure from the handler and that under pressure isn't going, you know, there's a guy going to be over there in a canister and he's going to be in culvert or it's going to be, that to me is, is done till the cows come home. You know, I wouldn't own a dog that doesn't have that flammability in it. Mm-hmm. But how many dogs have been tested on this side of the fence where you say, right now I want you to go and search under control and find, let's say this article. Now I want you to be on a down while this distraction's going on. Now I want you to come heel next to me and not bite the decoy, right? And it's, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's a skewed thing now we have in the dog world where we go, the dog that's out of control, that's completely mental and crazy and looks like a crank job, especially here in the UK, which is, I think has changed a lot over the past two, three years, but that's perceived as the strong dog. Whereas me and you both know that ain't a strong dog. The dog that's under control, that's sitting there waiting, going, you know, let me go, let me go, let me go, but I'm going to listen because you've really enforced this fucking sit or this down. That to me is the dog that I'm more interested in looking at. And as I said, I think Andrea said it right. All the other sports we, we, we love. I think there is no, we have, Rain, yeah, well, Mondio, PSA, all of these others. I think there was PSA I might try. PSA is something we want to look at in the future. Yeah. But I think for now, for us, KMPV is yes. for sure the type of sport that 
ticks the boxes of the type of dogs we like. I will say this can... with with your dog coming straight out of the KMPV program, you probably can take him straight on the PSA field, learn the routine, and do it, and not have a problem. So yeah. I always felt like a well trained dog. It's it's super versatile. You can do anything. All you have to do is switch them to, uh, yeah. to each venue. Um, yeah. and and what separates dogs at a higher level? Because I used to show dogs in AKC for confirmation um, before I got into uh, protection dog work. And once you get to to a certain level of dog to where all the dogs are champion, you're competing against other champions. What separates the good? Uh, from the great dogs is the ability to show like going in the ring and be able to stack and stand still and be like a statue for five minutes and a judge is reviewing them and I, it's it's the way they show so it's the same thing in dogs it separates good dog from great dog two dogs can uh, possess the same things genetically and one person one person does a lot of uh you know like control work with them and uh he's versatile just say that he can do multiple things. That's what separates good from great to me. Um, because there's a lot of dogs that bite. That's coming to, uh, you know, that have all the coverage in the world, but it doesn't look great until it's refined. You know what I'm saying? As, as I think as a UK, it's predominantly a breeder's market. I think the UK has historically been a breeder's market. It's owner's and breeder's market. Majority of the kind of, people that would be dealing with dogs working dogs are historically being involved in breeding so it's a lot of genetic testing as opposed to training that's been that's been interested or or, or interesting for everybody to see and I think that element is where some of our European uh, counterparts are a little bit better okay the Dutch are also well known to part and sell dogs and breed dogs but let's go, let's say, for example, the Belgians who hold on to dogs for the, you know, quite often they'll hold on to their dogs for the end of their life. You know, it's a, it's a different mentality. And you, you even look at ring. Ring is, you know, level one, level two, level three. You do ring, you know, multiple times at level one, multiple times at level three. You know, it, it, it's not a, you do it once, it's gone. The dog's finished and you, it, it's over. Now you either sell it or you do whatever you want to do with it. That's where I say that, interesting thing in the UK where we've had the mentality of trials and I think trials are they've been done now you know they've been done you know how many times can you do that same test over and over again and I think it also reduces your gene pool of the type of dogs you can select from because you've you've tested only one aspect haven't you you've constantly tested that same type of test 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 you know well KPV has been the 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 place where American people go to get Correct. dogs that of the caliber that we're looking for. Um, um, for the most part, you have some that, that don't pan out. And some of that is because of the style of training it took to get that dog to where he was in the, in the program. But the part that you're talking about is I think some of that is needed. And that's probably a reason why you guys have such good dogs when i came over there we worked i think it was like 40 dogs it was something crazy like that it was a lot of dogs and the the softest dog is a decent dog here you got what i'm saying versus we have dogs that don't bite at all like i mean we had to work them up and 
Like they're not the typical Malinois puppy that comes out of the womb. As soon as he's able to move around, he's biting on stuff super mildly. Yeah. That's how the breed should be. And then you start. That's how it, yeah. If you're not breeding that, what are you doing? You know, for Malis, if you're not breeding that, there's nothing. I remember a few years back where people were really excited when their dogs were biting, you know, at young age. And we were kind of like, Mr. Mali, it should be doing this. There's yeah. nothing, you've not done anything here that's particularly special. Where I think the Dutch have done a phenomenal job in being able to produce dogs. And I think there's, you know this and I know this, there's the decoy, the trainer, the breeder, you know, they're, they're all different people. And I think where the Dutch have done a really good job of this is the trainer takes the dog and is testing the dog in all the disciplines. So whereas in America, you guys want a good hunt drive. You want, guy, you want dogs with a good nose. You want dogs that can take corrections. You, can, you want dogs that will engage in a, in a battle and have enough courage. And that's what the police and military are, are looking for over there, for real, you know, real working dogs. Mm-hmm. And if you're testing only one aspect of the dog, and that is the ability of that dog to bite under pressure from the decoy, you've now not tested nose, you've not tested hunt, you've not tested the ability to take control. You know, so all these things haven't been tested, and now you're constantly breeding for that one eventuality. And that's where I say we've. I think is one of the big reasons why the UK struggles to have a, 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 a clear format of what is the correct dog, because the correct dog in a trial this year could be the dog that is big, strong, muscular, and is able to, you know, withstand quite a bit of pressure from a decoy. Next year, it's about a dog that's quite nimble and small and can get into small pockets of spaces and goes into water or does whatever, whatever, you know? So each year that formula changes, whereas what the Dutch have done correctly is because KMPV's been a study for 100 plus years, that is the formula. Your dog needs to tick all those boxes. How it gets there as a trainer is on you, you know? So some lines are less driven than other lines, but they have other features that you know how to bring out of the dog to make them do something. Some don't have the great hunt drive, but they have other fantastic attributes. But in order to certify that dog, that dog has to do those exercises. It isn't fluke. You know, it's not a, <laughs> it's a routine, but it isn't a fluke. You know, that dog has to go and find those articles, has to go and do, you know, the courage test. It has to do this. So that's where I say they've, I think having that system means you produce better dogs consistently as opposed to good dogs for that particular year, you know, where that dog is done well, which might suit, you know, 10 or 20 of the population so how much of that do you think is uh uh the trainer versus because i've seen dogs and i've seen like somebody have a litter they'll just say they have there's five puppies and then all of the puppies seem like i wouldn't say washes but they're like a mid-tier dog and then they go with somebody who understands real like dog communication and all that this dog becomes phenomenal. It titles and goes to the highest level, whatever venue that it's in. Then they breed that dog. It never produces itself again. So what I'm saying is how much do you think that the trainer can mask a lot of all of these holes versus a dog being genetically sound? Really good question. It's a very good question. I always say it's 50 50. You can have the greatest dog with the best genetics, but a bad handler will ruin it. It can get to a point, you know, but at the end of the day, I think it comes to a point where maybe the dog's two or three, the dog will get ruined by then. Um, You can have a mediocre dog 
a very good trainer can mask a lot of the problems. And you're right in a sense that in certain sports, you can bring that dog to a very high level. Sometimes, we've spoken this before, but the dogs that go to the highest level aren't necessarily the best dogs. The best dogs. So there are some dogs that are very difficult in training and they probably aren't able to go to the highest level. They still go to a good level, but not to the highest of levels, you know? And that's when you say like, whether someone's got a good eye or not, and you can see certain things, especially during training, you know, how a dog copes, how a dog reacts. You know, a lot of these things, obviously like on Facebook and stuff, you can't judge it. You have to actually know the dog or watch see the dog. It training. See it, you know, watch it during training yeah. for me to say, you know what, that's a good dog, even though he might muck up on certain exercises compared to another dog that's performing brilliantly, you know? Yeah. So you need to look at different traits. And I think that's through experience eyes. Yeah. I um, think there's, um... and, and, you know, genetically to breed, yeah? Obviously most people want to breed the most, you know, decorated dog, you know, people think, oh, wow, on paper, this dog is blah, 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 10 achievement. That's not it's how it works. It's definitely, you know, a good producer. Yeah. No, it's not. not necessarily, no. For me, you know, everyone's got like a different type of definition of what a good producer is. For me, it's more like whether the dog throws himself or herself, like there's certain traits that the dog, what that was, I'm going to put it like a trait that makes that yeah. dog special, so, let's say. Uh, uh, let me and I would want to see whether yeah. that would go into yeah. offspring with different females. Yeah. That to that, me. Andrea's absolutely right on this. And, I, and, I, and, I, and that's the thing, as it, remember, geneticist. Yeah, so this isn't coming from somebody who, doesn't have a clue what they're talking about this is a geneticist talking it, the mistake always the mistake is you people go okay good dog good female will make good puppies almost certainly very rare for that to happen it's a mishmash you'll get usually a puddle of 10 pups and one or two might be good the rest might be washouts and it doesn't matter you know how many trainers you give them to they probably won't be able to succeed getting anything out of those some some of those pups what you need to look at as a breeder and you know i, I, I can i'm not a breeder but i can <laughs> what you need to look at is dogs that produce particular type of traits and when i say particular type of traits so let's give it an, an example yeah if you want to create a, a type of dog for the for a type of person for a type of sport you need for example hunt drive right so let's just say you want a dog with a great nose the theory goes is if you're breeding a dog that i don't know is a titled dog in this and a dog that's titled dog in that. The assumption is it's going to have great hunt drive because look, it's done the, it's done the job. That's where your bit with training comes in. If you know the dog very well, you might know that that trainer has put all his time in getting that dog to, to, to learn to do this little exercise. Yeah, yeah. And he's put all this time and all this effort to make it work when actually genetically the dog has got a terrible hunt drive. Mm -hmm. But that breeding then is what you've done. If you haven't complemented it, if that female, for example, comes from that type of dog, you need to understand that dog. And that, it, 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 that's why lines are so important. And, you know, that's really overlooked all the time. People look at the dog. Okay, the dog is great. The dog is great. But what is it, what's the line that it comes from? What is the genetic line that it usually throws? That particular dog is, could be a complete hybrid figure. It's a total random dog that's come out that will never reproduce itself. But... That, then you need to complement complement it with a line that is producing hunt, hunt, hunt drive, mm -hmm. and to be able to understand when to outcross, when to incross, when to inbreed, when to you know it. That's I think is a difficult part, and that's where I say fifty fifty. Andrea's hundred percent right. The puppy should have bare basic genetics. The bare basic genetics is 
good drives of every one of those things that you need. You know, it's it's able to do this, 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 and this. But a puppy will do fuck all if you just leave it to be a puppy. You, anybody who says their dog is genetically strong to the point where he can take a pup, put it in a room for three years and take it out at three years and go and do a KMPV title with it, is talking out of their ass. You know, there's no such thing as genetically perfect, right? There's no such, you have to train it to get to that stage. So then it's on, all you can do as a breeder is give somebody the raw ingredients. The pup should have the raw ingredients. Then it's for you to either tweak it up, tweak it down, know how to manipulate it, how to work it and how to do things. Some and do not have the genetic yeah. material. And right if they on. don't, you could see that from see a that really from, young age. You like could nerve, see it. let's say nerve yeah. is one thing that, you know, people... Drive. Want. Also, I don't think you can create... If the dog doesn't have the drive early on, it will never have the drive. You can, again, that's where masking comes in. You can mask it and create this Feel fake, you know, I'll use food to entice the dog to touch the sleeve. I'll create a bit more, you know, hold the sleeve for longer, give it food, click, 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 you know. You've done that, great, but take the dog away. If he doesn't have the drive to bite, he will fold when the picture changes. You know, so you could play all these gimmicks and this kind of, you know, positive, you know, I give a bit of negative, give a positive, give a bit of, it's all rubbish when it comes to real deployment. At the end of the day, if the dog doesn't have it in its heart to want to come out and get into drive, get into that state of mind, you're not going to create it. You can artificially mask it for all you want with any system that's out there, but it's not going to be the real thing. Right. So I've ran into something else different, too, since I've, um, you know, the whole bull herder thing with Chloe and Scott. Um, those dogs, to me, are not as drivey as a typical Malinois. You got me? Yeah. But when it comes down to working, they perform at a high level um, without all of the neurotic Malinois stuff you know what I'm saying it kind of takes that out so and I've just been noticing like there's other breeds that the picture looks different when you're evaluating the dog you know like I'm evaluating them like Malinois and then I'm like oh he does this different this is not the same like like my dog would lose his mind like a Malinois would lose his mind for the bark put it outside the cage he's gonna scream and holler at the bark at it for you know 10-15 minutes they're not going to do that. He's going to look at it and be like, okay, it's not, you know, he'll give you a little bit behind it, but I took him hunting with me to, you know, to hog hunt. I took him, uh, you know, did a lot of stuff with him and, and his bite work, he's, he's fine. And then he just catches on to everything. Like the first time you tell him it's not a whole lot of, you know, so I'm learning too. He's just a learning experience, just having a different breed, even though he has to have a Malinois influence. Yeah, I think, I personally think, you know, it's personal preference, what each, you know, a Mali, a really highly trained Mali can be an arsehole to live with. I can definitely see the appeal of, let's say, having the bull breed added in, you know, almost that calmness calmness and the stability out of work. And I can, you know, being with a family or just not neurotic in that sense, and I can definitely see the appeal to it. So I think at the end of the day, it depends, you know, personal preference, what, I like my even between me and Muz, sometimes what I like in a dog is a little bit different to what he likes, you know. So I don't think there's right and wrong. Um but yeah, we we've seen quite a few good ones, in, haven't we? In, like so in, in a in a in the Mali mentality, this is the thing with Malinois. They when I say Mali's, I'm gonna include herders as well, yeah. So Dutch herders and Mali's are gonna put under the same bracket of Mali. 
there's a, a range of bloodlines. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is seriously a crazy range of bloodlines and they're so different. Each bloodline will give you something very different. And if you're a, you're a student of dogs and bloodlines and breeding and whatever, you can appreciate the range of flavors that you have. It isn't just, oh, it's a Mali, it's fawn, it's got a tail, a bushy tail, oh, it's got to be a, they're all the same, they're all going to work the same. That is, a, I think, is a very lazy, um, it's a very lazy thing to think about. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, when we were, you know, all three of our dogs are bred abroad, uh, none are bred here. It's not because I don't think breeders here are any good or not or whatever, it's got nothing to do with that. It's because what we wanted to do is get as close as possible to that bloodline that we like and get it from that source that created that thing yeah so that's the thinking behind it so for for the sake of argument we can use any of our dogs as an example but a simple one let's say Razi he was bred in Belgium by Yvonne who bred Dags who is Pearl de Tabir bloodline and that to me is as close as I'm going to get to what I want is right there you know so when you take it there isn't anything that comes very close he is yeah crazy all the madness in it i understand that concept but if i was a person that enjoyed a dog that's generally calm quite relaxed isn't particularly mental out and about here there are malinois lines in belgium and holland and uh, france which i can point you to and say that's the dog they're well known to be pretty chilled and even uh, 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 even between our three malleys they are so distinctly different you know, there is literally nothing that okay, unites yeah, them. But let's say, like, let's say, Josh, you can't take a Mali to hunting. Right. So, so, so yeah. So, so hunting like, is different. So, if you, this is jobs for dogs, right? Yeah. So, so different purposes. If you're so saying, I can see yeah. the purposes of all herders where Correct. you can, you can bring the them use to of them, yeah. and stuff like Correct. that. Where a Mali, you can't do it's that. It's not really <laughs> about that type of, you know, yeah. it's not about that crazy. You want a versatile yeah. type of. Yeah. Know, I think, I think this though, I think that you can. It's just we don't. You got what I'm saying? Like Maybe. Yeah, we took we took we took uh uh Marcus's dog hunting with us. He did yeah. fine. He did phenomenal. He's a he's a Malinois. Right. And he does better than a lot of dogs that were bred to do that. You know, right. so I think it's just the environment, it's like a lifestyle, like dogs that are raised on a farm, they act a certain way. Dogs right. that are raised in the city, live in an apartment, they act a certain way. And then dogs that, you know, are in the household with a trainer that does all, everything. They live a certain way, and you can kind of see it in the dogs. Like my Frenchies act like Malinois. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because they're around Malinois, right? And I think it's just the, the environment. You yeah. know, I'll, I'll get a dog. I can get a dog off the street, and then I'll put him in my kennel, and he's here for a year or two, right. and he's going to start acting, the, you, you know, similar. Absolutely, you're absolutely right, and I think that's where I, I've, I've never been against. Um, Borders or, or 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 Mali crosses or Mastiff crosses. I, I, I honestly, like Andrea said, everybody's got a taste. I can't tell you what to like. You like sushi? I like you know Thai food. Hey, you know that's cool. yeah. You that's eat pe- you eat mashed peas, so I can't. Right? Yeah, mashed peas and, <laughs> and chips, right? But they, they, you know that, that's not my place to tell you what to like. But where where I I disagree is sometimes where I say I think it's 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 a lazy comparison that's made. It's that very lazy, um, you know, Malis sometimes are very highly strung, bull herders aren't, or Malis are this and this aren't. But yeah, you, you might lose something, but you gain something else. You gain something, but you've lost something else. As, as I said, like you, for Mali, what is a Mali for? Mali is a high octane, constantly working. You definitely, you definitely lose 
some of the stuff that you had in a straight mouth. You definitely lose that. Yeah. But then there's pros and cons both ways. So you're like, oh, I'll just, you know, take that. So when I, I'm like, I'm thinking about when I see him work, I'm thinking of how I want to breed him. And what's good about it is that I can breed him to both, both ways. Like I can breed him to a pit bull and I can breed him back to a male and get more male, you know, because they were like 60-something percent male anyway. And I just, I just like the versatility. But, yeah, you definitely lose – some of the stuff that you would like for sport dog stuff. I think you kind of lose some of that. Andrea said it perfectly. It's what your purpose is with the dog. If your purpose tomorrow, when you say to me, okay, my aim with this dog is I want to be doing, I don't know, bomb detection, for example, for six hours straight in Afghanistan, you know, I'd be like, maybe that's not going to be the best dog for you because you need that level of drive to be able to keep bang, 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 go, go. But if you're going to be doing something that isn't so taxing and it so yeah. requires that much endurance from the dog because why do Mali, why are Mali's so highly strong they're there for work these dogs are supposed to be doing six hour shifts four hour shifts two hours you know they're supposed to be doing long duration and high intensity work for as much time as possible I mean you've got to feed them more because they're burning energy just by rotating in their kennel you know as you go for example uh, typically our bulldogs which we have bulldogs they'll be relaxed. They'll be chilling in the kennel. You know, every time I go in and see the Bull Terrier or Bruce or whatever, it's relaxing. Bull Terriers. Yeah. The Bull Terriers are sleeping, right? It's just, they, they, there's no, there's no need to be yeah. so, so mental, but you can get that drive out of them. If you're a good trainer, you can get that drive out of them, but they're not naturally boom, 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 yes. you know, want to go, go, go. And that's, there is no right or wrong answer. And that's where I've always kind of been quite, um, maybe say, some people say I'm hostile towards it. My issue with it hasn't been, I don't like it. I just say the fact that you like it shouldn't mean that the other dog is shit because you like that type of thing, right? Correct. Whereas what right. annoys me is when I hear, oh, Mali's are all shit, Mali's are all nervy, Mali's are this. Like, I say, that's nonsense. You know, you're, yeah. maybe you're a crap trainer, right? If, you're, if every dog you've had, every Mali you've had is nervy, there's something wrong with you, right? Because you can't tell me you've done 10 different, uh, uh, you've tried 10 different lines and every single one of them is, is nervy and there's this Mali that's going off to the USA or going off to Israel or going to whatever and is doing, you know, proper, proper work. What is it doing with you? That's when you're creating this nerve. You know, you're creating a problem. Yeah. Right. So question, is there like a separation between sport dog people or like just say KMPV people and the stuff that we were doing before? Because I find enjoyment in both and I'm able to separate yes. both. But when you go one place, they talk, they're like, oh, I don't like that. And then you go to the next place, they talk down on it. And, and I'm like, listen, bro, just I want to do what I want to do. Like, I just love to do, you know what I'm saying, different stuff. And some people, yeah, I, I enjoy personally, both. Yeah. I enjoy both. I think there is, you know, like was mentioned before, you test different, different things, things yeah. you know, from different dogs. And I like a dog that can do both. That's yeah. versatile, you know. Um, I think the problem you know, again, is is the ego thing. My dog is real. Is that, is, what does that mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just because a dog is doing sport doesn't necessarily, it can't be real or... Right, right, right. Part. I agree. You know, it's almost like the sport people, it gets it back and say, you know what, like, I need to prove a point now because yeah. mine's just not a sport dog. There's some dogs that purely, that has a character that just does sport, you know, that is just suited to happy-go-lucky Biting the sleeve is all fun and games, you know. There are dogs like that in sport, hundred percent. But there is also dogs that are more that has more intent in the work 
you know, that do sport, you know. So, you know, again, people need to know what they're looking at at the end of the day, you know. I've seen dogs that are very serious dogs that do sport, you know, obviously not to the highest level, but they still got title. And there, there are serious dogs, you know, dogs that you wouldn't mess around with. Yeah. And then there are also dogs that just happy-go-lucky and play a game of sleep, yeah. game of suit. Also, that, you know, that isn't real. But yeah. again, as a trainer, you can see that, you know, and people who know the dogs can see it. Yeah, you can, you can, you can see this is where I... This is where it's difficult with the dog world because there isn't a qualification you need to get in order to be able to converse with someone. Yeah, right. you tomorrow can have ten days of owning a Malinois or owning a bull herder or owning a mastiff, and you will have as much you feel you have as much uh, input on a conversation as somebody who's potentially been doing it for fifty, sixty years, right? And that's where I think the clever guys know when to shut the fuck up and watch you know and that's something we get humbled and turn up to holland and say right show us what to do and we're just quiet you tell me what to do i ain't gonna tell you what to do you know your trade better than i do but that's not to say that don't question things right so going back to your point is there is a bit of a divide there is a divide but the divide i think has been caused not so much because you gotta remember sports trained dogs go to do real work yeah majority of kmpv dogs will at some point or another you, any real dog that's you know when i say real now i'm saying let's say i don't know a, a dog street dog a street dog yeah it's street dog right yeah. it probably comes from a sport bred background right yes. if you look back in his pedigree it's come from sport right there is no such thing as reels come from the womb is real right it's come from the mother the or training the, the training line this is what i tell people all Correct. the time the difference yeah. between a sport dog and a dog that's on the street with the officer or in the military is training. That's it. When I look that's at the it. dog, I'm looking at certain characteristics. And I'm just like, if I had them or if this person had them, they this can do X, Y, Z with them. And, uh, but people don't, don't, they don't, you know, they don't seem to get that. And then the biggest hack of me just now getting into sports is if you do personal protection, you're creating a liability. So, I feel like I can control all of my dogs just as well as any any person who does sport. And I, I don't even know if you noticed when I was there. I was there in, what, 2018? Yeah, yeah. That I like the controlled dogs. Like, I think that yeah. Tyler did well. And uh, what's this guy? It's JP. With yeah. being able to go through a real-life type scenario and still have control over their dog and dog can heel sit down stay come and then when but when it comes to sport you just tweaking the precision you know you're just getting the dog to focus here yeah. to get his butt around you know we're in awareness it's just a lot different but go ahead sorry i was gonna say what is real what is what is not real but the, the difference is is simple right it's it's effectively the lack of protection that is the protection that you have as a decoy people keep saying this shit where this dog is just a suit dog. This dog is a field dog. This dog is a... The suit, the sleeve, is for your protection as a decoy. It isn't mm-hmm. for the fucking dog, right? The dog shouldn't really distinguish between that's a sleeve, that's a suit, that's a covert, that's a... It depends on how you're training the dog. And then it goes back to the point of the type of dog that you have. And it goes back to the start of a puppy. When I look at a dog from day dot, seven, eight weeks old, I'm looking at, does it go from zero to 100 really quickly? And is it blind in that state of mind? Now, you've got to remember, a pup at the age of seven, eight weeks old doesn't understand the concept of this is a sleeve. This is a covert. This is, 
it just goes and I'm bite into whatever I can bite on. Now, does that dog at that stage become a real dog or a sport dog from the moment it makes contact there? It doesn't know it's fit the arm. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't know it's fit the feet. So when that moment your dog is going from zero to 100 and is able to make that contact, and I call, uh, me personally, I call it that killer instinct. If it's got that killer instinct, I can work with that. Everything else is trainable. That is That's difficult. Yeah? Nerve, yes, you can't really work around it, but it's, it's, there's, there's, there's tolerances, I suppose, you can have. But that killer instinct is key. If a dog doesn't have that killer instinct, you'll always be trying to motivate it to do that job. And this is where this sport versus real comes from, in my opinion. So then you have this type of dog that doesn't want to bite, yeah? You now create frustration. Now, what do you do when you create frustration? You're back-tying the dog. You're frustrating it for an item, yeah? You're no longer frustrated because the dog isn't interested in biting. He's interested in, oh, let me chase that. He's a little bit of a dodo. Oh, okay, I'm interested now. Okay, yeah, I'll hold on to it for a bit. Loses the grip. Cool, let's make that frustration more. Add the whip, crack the clack. So you've now created a dog that becomes reactive, only for particular stimuli and only for particular equipment because it genetically doesn't have the ability to go from that zero to a hundred quick enough. And that's, that's how you, that's anyway, that's how I train. That's how she trains a, a Mali to be that way. Now, when I transition a dog from seven weeks old, when he's going crazy and he wants to bite the sleeve during the three years or whatever, it's doing KMPV or doing sport or doing whatever. It's not thinking, Oh, I am biting a sleeve here. And this if it gets to flesh, I will stop biting. You know, the dog doesn't know that. He goes from, boom, I am biting. I don't really give a shit what's in front of me. I'm biting mm-hmm. that, right? And that dog, when it's finished that system, it's only a routine because we're enforcing the pressure on the dog to say, this is the way I want you to bite. The minute you take that pressure off and say, hey, game's on. You can bite where the hell you want. Guess what? I'm not going to tell you no when you do this. All of a sudden, you change the routine from the decoy going, hey, 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 for the bicep. All of a sudden, the decoy is wearing a covert and he's behind the corner. The dog needs just one switch to change from that moment of I'm in a routine to this ain't a routine anymore, but I'm enjoying it like I was enjoying that routine. And that element people constantly don't understand and I think is where it becomes really difficult. It all to do with the level of dog you have when you start to do whatever you're doing. That same real versus fake bullshit can apply as much to personal protection dogs, it can apply as much to police dogs, and it can apply as much to, you know, a, a, a special forces dog. You know, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It's just how you've introduced and how that dog's thresholds are for that type of job that it's doing. And that's why I say why I like particular type of dog that goes to 110 miles an hour, you know, when it needs to. If it's not doing that, it's a thinking dog. You know, it's like, oh, what am I biting? Am I feeling this? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I like the suit. I like the sleeve. Oh, I prefer the rag. I'll go back to the rag. You know, I prefer back the sleeve. You know, and that to me is not the type of dog that we own. But that just, it doesn't matter what I'm doing with it. It doesn't matter if I'm doing sport or doing, you know, prison riots. <laughs> it's the same type of dog. It's just the routine that I'm doing with it that changes. Right. So I'm going to switch it up for a minute. So when I, I, I know when I first met you guys, I just had the vibe that you both of you like two different types of dogs, right? Yeah, yeah. And wanted to do two different things um, with y'all's dogs. So when you guys met, um, if you can like expound on that and how did you get into dogs and where, you know what I'm saying? Like that. And then how, how do you come together to be like-minded? How we very first met. Yes. 
or we have nothing to do with dogs. Okay. We shouldn't have a dog. I didn't have a dog. I hated dogs. I was afraid of well, dogs. I had dogs, but not, not like, proper dogs. Not like yeah. proper dogs. Yeah. Just pets. So we 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 had no. Was yeah, there was no yeah. time to. But what? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you the story behind our dogs. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Tell the tell us how we met first. Oh, how we met is a long story. That that's that, that's uh, yeah, that's a, that, well, well, that's for another day. That's for me and you and and everybody else to be out having a drink and we could discuss that. But. What, what, what me, it's nothing to do with dogs. Literally, we, me and Andrea had no connection to dogs. We were not interested. I mean, I was doing my own thing. Andrea was doing her own thing. She was a veterinary nurse. I was doing legal. It was just literally nothing, no connection. So when we got together, we lived together. Uh, we had an attempted break-in. And at the time, Andrea was talking about getting a, uh, a Frenchie, <laughs> a French bulldog, right? Mm-hmm. As, as like our pet couple. We're fresh new couple. We don't get a Frenchie. <laughs> And I was like, okay, we just had a like attempted break in. I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I, I was like, we get... didn't like and I hated dogs. dogs. You remember the culture? Yeah, the culture I come from. Yeah, the culture I come from. Dogs are not seen as your best mate. They're mm. like things on the road that will probably give you rabies. You do not want to be near them. You don't want to come close to them. You don't want to touch them. I see a dog I cross the road, you know? So this <laughs> is, a, you can imagine the kind of transition that I've gone from, from that state of mind to now owning the craziest dogs you can imagine, right? So right. I'm, I'm like, okay, uh, Andrea, we, if we are going to get a dog, let's get a, a real dog. So let's get a security dog, a protection dog. Let's get a German Shepherd, right? At the time, that's all we knew. So we bought a, uh, a puppy, this this four month old and at the time I was like this dog cannot be in the house as I it cannot be in, the, in I was like I created a little house for him in my in the back of my house it was like a little shed for him and I did all this kind of great things for this dog that I thought he's going to be living outside and day one we bring him home and I put him outside I put him in his little dog house I put a little bowl of water and a, and a little bowl of food and I went in the house, I was washing my hands, you know, sanitizing from this <laughs> fucking dog, right? I was like, I cannot get dirty. I don't want to get this fleas and shit on me, right? <laughs> and I look and I, and, I see, and I see the rain is now coming down. And I see this dog near the patio, just standing there, just looking at me with his eyes, his puppy eyes. And I thought, oh, what are you doing? I was like, he's getting wet. So I was like, take him, come on, Byron, come on, Byron. I put him back in his house. I come back, wash my hands again, I decontaminate myself. <laughs> and I see this dog now, it's getting really bad. The rain is getting proper proper bad and i'm looking at him and i'm like oh my god what's going on i take him out for the third time and i come back again i'm washing my hands and this dog is at the end of the patio he's lying there like this with his head on his paw rain is falling on his head and i just looked at myself in the mirror and i was like what kind of a human am i i was like take the dog in <laughs> come in buddy you know i loved him up and you know he, he became pretty much a house dog i mean he came off he was a half working half a pet but True story, six months into owning him with very minimal um, security work. We'd done nothing, really near nothing with him. Uh, we had a break-in. Two people broke into our house with uh, balaclavas and um, uh, crowbars. And re- again, another funny story. I was asleep. The dog's at the end of the uh, uh, stairwell. And it's, I had a really important job. The dog starts barking at four in the morning. And I'm like, Byron, shut the! F-. You know, I thought this dog's barking because yeah. of water. You know, a fox outside or a cat or something, and I'm shouting at this dog, and the dog's going ballistic. I remember just telling Andrea, I was like, "This dog is pissing me off. I'm so sick of him." I go to sleep, wake up the next day, my front door's wide open. I thought I didn't think anything of it, uh, but I I was missing a jacket, right? So I thought Andrea threw the jacket away. She then told me, "I'll prove to you I never threw the jacket away. Look at the CCTV footage." I'm looking at this easy thing and I see these two guys walk in, 
Viren, this six, seven month old pup running, chasing them out the house, you know, with their, you know, they're dropping their shit. And when, it, you know, when I felt so guilty, I bought the biggest steak you can imagine, gave it to this dog. And, you know, when his hips went, we, uh, we paid whatever we could to get him replaced. And he, he lived with us till two years ago where, yeah, 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 year and a half ago, he passed how, away. How long ago was that before you got really into working? Like well, before was, you got demon? Oh, th- th- that was Byron. Byron was our Byron. first dog. And we, yeah, we started training him. That was the kind of the beginning. And that's why I said we yeah. never did pets. We went straight to working dogs. The first thing we did was how do we train this German? After he did that, we were like, right, cool. Now we need to train him to be a proper working dog. We knew a and little bit. Yeah. Stuff like that. A bit yeah. of IPO type work. And she yeah. was doing most of the work, not me. Yeah. And then we, we just trained him, you know, went to obviously like we got in work time in canine isn't it and then mm-hmm. that's where we started training there you know seeing the ipg you know back then and we saw security type training personal protection type training and then we just gone from there isn't it and yeah it just kept growing from, and growing kept growing and then we went to holland a few we times a dog from holland and that's when we bought yeah we bought the first money didn't like him that, that didn't make the grade pretty much back then so we're like oh you know then we kept searching and then we actually got hanzo first and on the way back we Got demon. Demon was an accident. So yeah, demon is another same. another fantastic story, which kind of gives you yeah. the type of person I am—a little bit insight into. Uh, a bit impulsive. Very impulsive. Andrea had done all of her homework, all of her homework. She knew homework, she right? knew everything about I the dog. She knew where he was coming from. She had the you know she had the plan set out. She knew exactly what she was <laughs> going to do with this dog, where he's going, what he's doing, all of that. Right. So we go there, we meet him, we see him. He's a great dog, really nice. Four months old at the time. When I call, put him in the van. We're about to leave, and I see this little black rat-looking thing barking, screaming, attaching itself to at the time Danny Lyons' the back of his legs, and Hine was holding the brother, and that one was holding onto the back of his legs. And I remember looking at Andrea and going, What the hell is that? I'd never seen a dog that crazy before. Never. Literally all my time I've never seen a crazy dog like that. I look up and I just see this little crazy thing just going and, and uh, at the time it was a guy called Thomas Eaton. He was taking one and Danny was taking the other. And they went into Thomas's van and uh, I just saw this little dog with his teeth on the kernel, just going, trying to break out to fight his brother. And I just looked at Danny and we were driving back home. I sent him a message saying, look, Danny, before he gets into your house, which is six hours away, tell me what the price is to own him. And I knew very little at that stage about what I wanted to do with him, why I wanted him. I just loved that dog. I thought, he's so crazy. I've got to have this asshole. We arrived in London and you know, I, I made a, I made a Danny an offer he couldn't refuse, and he became mine. And the rest is history, right? So yeah, he's been, yeah, he's been a challenge. He's a difficult dog. I don't think it was easy. I think for a first dog, he was, you know, really tough. But I think it was a baptism of fire. And to be honest, I, I'll, I wouldn't change a thing about that. You know, I think without him, I wouldn't be who I am today. He's a, he was hard, hard work, and because of him. Our other three, our other three dogs are better, you know, because because as I said to you, the culture here was, you take the lead, you go to the trainer, you pay your money, and they do what they got to do. You just go home, you know. That's it. You don't know what happened in between, and you know when. And it wasn't from. It was only from trying to understand what was going on with Demon that I started to really uh, understand dog behavior drives. Uh, genetics, what needs to happen, decoy work. Decoy work was something that I had no idea about. To me, it was anybody in a suit was the same. Anybody with a sleeve was the same. 
I was like, damn, you need different type of decoy for different type of work. And, and I, I'll say it because I know in America, you guys, <laughs> I have to give credit where credit is due because he, 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 Jay, at the time I was talking to a lot to uh, Jay. Um, and obviously, he, he, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I know he's, 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 not, he's not everybody's favorite person. And I, I've got to give credit, man. I'm, I'm never going to take that away from someone. But he, he, did show, he did say a lot of stuff at the time. And I, and I think that's where I remember when we were doing Muzz Muzz TV, when it first came out, I got a lot of heat for it. It's like, oh, why are you, you, know, why are you doing this? So, dude, the guy's helping me out with things, you know? Like, he's bro, he can train, bro. He can train. Yeah. Like, people don't know how to separate like, yeah. the art yeah. of doing something. If somebody can play basketball, I'm going to credit their basketball and separate the fact that he beat up his wife or whatever. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Whatever. He can play basketball. Yeah. He can train. I like his training. I don't know much about him as a person, but I like the yeah, stuff that he's done as a trainer. When we, when, because when, when I met him, I didn't kind of go, give me your life story. I would like to assess you as a person, as your internal being and oh, your man, spiritual beliefs. Yeah. Hanzo's out of repo. So Hanzo is, is, is a repo son. Yes. Um, and he was bred while Jay was out in Holland. That's where we met. So we met this American dude. And at the time, if you if you think of how we're two English people gone over there amongst Dutch, all Dutch, and there's this one American dude who's the fucking craziest one of them all. So we're like, okay, cool, I'll talk to him, right? Because I understand his language. He understands mine. We can have a conversation. And that's literally it. Um, but as I said, he, he during that time, over the course of, Two, two, three years while Hanzo, two years, sorry, while Hanzo's still young and Demon is still young. You know, a lot of people were closing the door on training because the way people were, were treating training was effectively, I'm the trainer, this is me, you pay money for me, I'm not going to tell you what I do, you're just going to trust me, right? You're right. going to trust me. And to me, I, I'm a scientist, I can't do that. I can't just come to you and say, here's my money, you do what you need to do and I'll just walk away. I need to understand what you're doing. And that was near impossible to get in the UK with anybody. And to be honest, anywhere, I was asking people, what is the, oh, you've got you've to see the dog, you know, you've got to do this. But I said, what does, it doesn't mean shit to me, right? Yeah. I've got a problem. I need it fixed. How do I fix it? And then that was, it was Jay who would spend that time and explain, this is how I do it. This is why I do it. This is the drive. This is this, this is this. And as I said, that's, it was very refreshing at the time. And I think it still is something I think is lacking in a lot of trainers attitude towards training i think they feel that you know i'm a magician i'm an artist i cannot share my secrets with anyone i don't want to tell you you know and i think that's bullshit i think it's people are smart enough to be able to do things right you just tell yeah them. especially in this time i mean there's the internet there's it's easy to connect with people it's not like before when i was a kid they had to go to the library i had they had like dog training for dummies or you know what i'm saying like there's yeah. none there, there's none of that no more like you can't now i can pull up a video I can listen to like a Dave Croyer. I can go uh, enroll in, uh, you know, a Bart Bellin course or something like that. And then I can, that the, the education is there, you know? And then when you want to switch it up, cause in my growth, like when I first started training dogs, I was training uh, a lot of compulsion, right? No, almost zero reward. Uh, yeah. yeah. And my dogs got really far with that. And so when I wanted to switch it up, it wasn't like a whole lot of support for me switching it up. And they're like, oh, man, what are you doing with that clicker? Oh, what are you doing with that, the treats and this and that? And I had pouches and balls and, yeah. you know, and a lot of people weren't 
really a fan of that, you know, like protection people. And then, but you, it's, it's kind of a thing that you have to just keep quiet and just kind of show yeah. versus, you know, yeah. because I know when I first started watching you guys, this was way even before, I think Hansa was young. Maybe I had been over there. I'm not sure. But when Andrea first started putting the, the obedience on him, because I don't even think he had, he was just crazy. Yeah. And you can see the change, like, super quick. It's like, okay, I studied this. This is how you heal. This is how you sit. And this, it was just looking good, like, really, really fast. And a lot of people don't know this. You take your time in almost anything and, and yeah. spend some time and educate yourself. It's, a, you know, the application. But you have a little bit of advantage because I train dogs for a living. And training pets helps you out, like, yeah. with problem yeah. solving. For, for 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 what she does with the obedience, I mean, I'll say it how it is. She's amazing at it. Like she she's got the patience, she's got the touch, she's got the ability to work with the dogs and you know really get the best out of them in that department. And she she has ability to do that almost in t- instinctively. And that's something that I think almost I, I say some men men generally me for sure. I think is we're less patient. And I think that's something that I struggle with, you know, as a, as a, as a handler, as a trainer, whatever it is. But definitely, but, I, but we have our strengths as well. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, like when you train a dog, some people ask me, you know, I get this a lot, like online. Let's say we've got the Muslims Mutt's Instagram, you know, our, our personal dog's Instagram. Obviously, we've got a lot of followers there. And a lot of people message us all the time, well, how do you do this? How do you do that? How can I teach my dog to do this type of obedience as if they're focused here and stuff? And you know what, like, I always tell people it depends on the dog, like what motivates a dog, you know, each dog is different as I can't really give you advice because I haven't seen the dog, you know, like, let's say even like Chief, who's a six month old, he's got that fancy show pony type heel, Hanzo didn't have that, he had a nice focus heel, but not that type of footwork, and even between Raz, you know, Demon, like, they all, how I taught them, I taught them all differently, you know, depending on their character, you know, what motivates them or what Cookie cutter doesn't yeah, work. And, and yeah, what, you got to improvise. Yeah, yeah. Cookie cutter doesn't improvise. work. Cookie yeah, cutter doesn't work for everything. For even bite work, them, for, yeah. for for protection work, for whatever. I, I, you know, I have my my personal interest is more, in, let's say, the biting and more in terms of the most likes the bite work. Bite work, the more <laughs> intensity stuff, the kind of the karma stuff. I'm not so I'm not so good at because I just don't have the patience. I think it doesn't go with my character too well, and I have to bring myself down. To make the dogs calm down. Like, whereas is quite a high energy and just you know like amped up person, whereas I'm more like calm. So the same dog can be with him. It's totally different when the dog is with me. You yeah. know. So when you give the dog to <laughs> even any of our dogs, when Andrea's doing the obedience with them, for example, it's a calm word. I'm just working them in general. They're and actually she, a lot calmer. A lot calmer. Me. And the minute I take the lead, the same dog will be. Absolutely. 50-60% more ramped up and amped Control up. Control gone. And it's just that's yeah, but that's that's the I think they feed off the energy yeah, and potentially that's that, you know, and that's sometimes where, where I said I struggled with even Demon at the start because he's so he's he's so, you know, kind of head wired the way it is. I'm that type of person and we're kind of feeding off each other's energy, yeah, which yeah. was a bad mix. Whereas when he's with Andrea, he's the he's a calm calm dog he's like cool i'm just gonna walk i'm happy i don't want to kill people i'm pretty relaxed you know i don't have an issue with me it was he god i don't really admit it on a live stream but uh, it, he, he was a pain you know he was a real pain he was a menace to society you know he was a real, real piece of shit you know it's like really annoying but uh, you know you live and learn don't you You kind of get get older and uh like with Raz, it's a lot different um, i've put the control with 
pretty much in everything he does now. I don't let him get away with anything. And that, again, people read that and see. I think it's quite frustrating as well sometimes because you have a dog that's pretty crazy and then you have a dog that looks very controlled and very relaxed and isn't reactive. And people are like, oh, well, he's not so, he can't be that strong. He must be pretty, you know, he must be pretty soft to do. And I'm like, no, that's because I put it on him from day one. He isn't allowed to think for himself. He cannot think for himself. He's not allowed to be in that state of zone. So you're going to, it's just happening. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No, that's it. Yeah, this is. You're going to do a camp EV with Hanzo also? Yeah, Hanzo and Ross. And, and Ross. Yeah, yeah Hanzo first. That's at 85-90% ready. He knows all the routines. I've been doing things awfully. There are some things that still need polishing because obviously he's done the crazy stuff beforehand. Certain exercise took us at least a year and a half and multiple handling to, to be able to teach him certain things, you know, with a lot of pressure. Um, so that was quite a learning curve, like when we first started with him, because he was just ah, you know, everything is just ah, the box ah, yeah. the bark and hold was ah. Difficult. So he, the bark and hold alone, um, we had to have two line handling him for about a year and a half. Yeah, it's tough. And tough. it was tough, you know. And it was now tough on he's the dog. got to a point yeah. where he's clean, yeah. you know. And it's not recall, even fair. Yeah, you know? it's, it's not, not fair. even a, a fair thing to change the dog from. But that. he managed. Yeah, know, and he just came out of it. Came and it's out okay, of it yeah. like nothing. Um, that's great. That's that's why people have to understand persistence yeah. and doing things, yeah. uh, even when you think that you're not getting uh, results, you're getting like minuscule pro- progress. And then, for to do something with a dog for a year and a half, most people will give up. Most people yeah. will say, "Oh, he's not learning. He's too slow." Da da da. And I nearly gave up on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, just with an article. So I nearly gave up on Saturday. Honest to God, my mum's like, my, the team will tell you, I gave up. I, I was like, that's it. I threw my hat. I never throw one. I throw my hat, I mean it. I've thrown my hat. I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I, I walked I away, threw the dog in the sand. With sport, like a lot of people are like, oh, I want to do KMV, I want to do this. And it's not easy. honestly, the learning phase, like puppy learning phase, the whole, you can do the free shit, you can learn. Everybody does learning. that. Everyone does it, yeah. It's a piece of that piss. That is the easiest part. There's <laughs> some keys, bite the keys. <laughs> proofing the, the, the time where we start proofing the dog and the dog has to perform under pressure, has to perform like with precision. That's when things get really hard, and that takes a year and a half, two years. That's at least. The, and that's yeah. in Holland. That takes two years. Right over here, like we, you know, some sometimes the dog still makes mistakes, like the object guard. The dog goes a little bit too early for my liking, you know. Like it's, it's just one of those things. It just goes. You might have, I might have, four weeks of perfection, yeah. and then the fifth week, the dog will decide to go a little bit early and not outing in the object guard. Yeah. You know, so you just have to be like, ah, and just keep going, keep going, right. go back two steps, redo, re, retrain it, and then go forward again, you know? And I think yep. a lot of people don't have that patience to go, having to go back two steps, three steps even, to the basics. That's challenging So what I want to say is, well, do, is just give you guys a lot of credit because I think that that American people and the people in the UK, people abroad, you guys together have been the bridge between the US, the UK, or Europe, and the United States for a long time. And I don't think that people give you credit. When they're selling dogs, all that is because of you guys made that introduction and gave the platform for uh, the interactions to happen. You got what I'm saying? Um, now people are tuned in to 
to AVD trials and 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 the night trials and um I think you you uh did my competition one time the throwdown so it's like you're seeing how we're doing stuff we're seeing how you guys are doing stuff and you're like oh I like that dog and so it kind of seems like the dog is still in the United States it doesn't seem so unreachable you got what I'm saying um and that was the plan for us from day one when we created this I mean we're quite fortunate as I said we've got our own jobs uh we have our own company We're, we're we're okay we don't need to make this monetize it you know we we might sell a vest or a jacket but if people knew the overheads to bring a live event or bring you know an interview or do whatever you know it's a lot of time and it's a lot of money that does it it doesn't really cover anything it's more done by a hobby and when we first started out and people kind of ask you know what made you do it what what was the purpose of it it was simply because we needed it we were struggling to find people Inf- that just learning information knowledge. because it's not a, you know, there, there is no such thing as one person owns it all. You know, there's no such thing as uh, I go to this guy and he'll teach me everything I need to know about dogs. This guy will teach me everything I need to know about. No, it's honestly, it doesn't exist. That, that person will have his experience based on the type of dogs he likes. You go there with the type of dog you like or the type of dog you're working or the type of breed or whatever, whatever you're going to have a bad time. And, you know, we noticed that a lot. And obviously a lot of information is hand-me-downs because as I said to you, there is no universal graduation for dog trainers. There's, you know, shitty week courses and day courses or whatever, but they, they, it doesn't make you a dog trainer overnight, you know? So you have to see it. You have to see, you have to experience, you have to, you have to meet these people. You have to understand. So I remember when I met um, uh, James, James uh, Gurry, that first time, man, I was like, damn, you're saying stuff that I totally and utterly understand. You know, like when it was, I, I was like, it's like talking to a mirror at one stage. It was like, damn, where's this guy? Where have you been all my life? You know, I was the one talking about something here in the UK. And people were like, no, no, don't listen to us. And all of a sudden, James was saying that. And I was like, what the, listen to this guy. He's making sense, you know? And the same thing when Charlie came over or when you were here or when uh, Ty was here, you know, and it's, it's kind of all these American people that, were on Facebook that people were looking at and saying, um, you know, look at what they do, look what I say, meet them firsthand. And you kind of go, actually, that makes sense. I was like, why was he doing it this way? Why was he doing it that yeah. way? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's helped a lot of, you're right. It's helped a lot of people sell dogs. It's helped a lot of people make connections. It's helped a lot of people find trainers. It's helped a lot of people buy dogs. Right. So it, it's, I think it's been a, a, a force for good. You're also right. I think we do sometimes get, drama drama and we also sometimes get shit that we don't deserve right when you're managing 270,000 people there is no way in hell two people can manage what 270,000 people will say it just doesn't there's no way you know it's quite difficult sometimes in the middle where we're not trying to be like on either one side but you know let's say something went wrong between transactions between two people and like, oh, you support this guy because you allow them to post, and do you mean the other? Person oh yeah, no, like, I definitely know what you mean. Like, this is it's not for that. Like, it's like, for that. yeah, right. If, back back in the day, before the internet, there was newspaper, right? So if I went into the newspaper and I was searching for a dog or a car part or whatever, and I bought it, you're not going to go to the writer of the newspaper and say, "New York hey, Times, man, yeah. they ripped me off. You support yeah. this? Guy. You're not going to do that." Yeah. So it's, it's just people, man. They just try to need somebody to complain to, I guess, you know, to vent to. Yeah, but we, we, 
we get that. I think sometimes that's kind of annoying. And I think the the other thing that also not frustrates often, it's not often now. I think it's a lot yeah, better. We've better, we've really wound down the group in terms yeah. of what can be posted. So it's it's become a lot easier to manage. And obviously, when you're young, you've got teething problems that are a little bit difficult. And you're right. I think sometimes there is that element of people almost kind of expect. Yeah. They kind of it's think it's you know it's it's a yes it's not a you know it's a free service, but it's not a service that. I'm providing solely for you. You know, this isn't a, this is a kind of community forum that yes. everybody can use. There's right? also and this kind of like thing now, the cancel culture. Like if, oh. some, if somebody doesn't believe the way you believe or the masses believe in lockstep yeah. key and they don't walk that way, they want to just remove you from remove the situation it. just for your opinion. I'm like, whatever happened to freedom yeah. of speech? That, you know, I should be able to have my opinion and you should be able to sit well the same way you want me to sit with your opinion. But it doesn't work like that. And I'm like, these people, these people are crazy. Yeah, that's some bullshit. (laughs) That's some real bullshit. I never understood that kind of, you can have a different opinion. Like you said, I mean, you could be uh, the biggest piece of shit I know, right? Uh, As long as I'm not here. I'm not having business conversations with you. I'm not getting into bed with you. We're not, you know, this is, doesn't matter to me. It's an opinion that you hold. I can have that opinion that counters your opinion, or we could agree on that opinion. You know, it's like saying, well, because I don't know, I don't like this person, but he said the sky is blue. So I'm going to disagree. No, the sky ain't blue. The sky is red because you said it. You know, it's like, it's crazy. It's like, you, you, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You yes, know, it correct. doesn't work that way. So you've just got to, you know, I think sometimes people get way too emotional about this thing. And as I said to you, I think the dog world is, yeah, it's a little bit emotional sometimes. It yeah. The dog. <laughs> so the, the real thing is you, you get flack from dog trainers and I really don't, I really don't get any issues with regular civilians, like people who are not just people who have pets. I have no, no problem with them. I have, all of my issues come from people, other people who train who are like your peers or competition or the people that you should be networking with. That's where all the trouble comes from. If I set up a page and it was just, I didn't accept any other trainers, I would be (laughs) stress-free. And imagine our page is all trainers. Yes. (laughs) The the working dog group is. Yes. All trainers. And and it it tells a lot like how, how people politic, right? So like, Say you have a guy, he is not so liked in the dog world, but he puts on an amazing video. He wins some type of uh, accomplishes something. You'll see his thing is going to have 18 to 25 likes. Another guy who's garbage at training will post a video of something. It sucks. It's not something that I don't even think they should post. It's going to have 350 likes. And a bunch of comments because this guy is a likable guy. You got what I'm saying? That's the yeah. biggest problem. And I'm like, man, you should. I hit the like button when I like something. If I don't like it, I'm not gonna like it just because you're my friend. You got what I'm saying? Somebody came up to me and asked me. Oh, we kind of got into a little spat, and he said, um, "Man, you don't support me. You don't even like my stuff." We get that. And so I said, I said, listen to me. I would not post this online, but I'm gonna tell you this to your face. I don't like it. Because I don't like it. <laughs> Shit. Like, that's right. <laughs> I really, I really don't like it. And this is and this is what happens. I believe that people respect my opinion as a trainer, right? And so you can see who liked the post. 
So when I have people who respect me look at the post and it's like, why did he like that garbage? You know what I'm saying? And then you're diminishing my reputation from liking stuff that I really don't like. I'm just double clicking because you're a person that I, is in my club or I know you or you're a friend of a friend, you know. And so well, I think where, where it's difficult for people as well to understand is I like things that are good for that level of person. Right. So that person is, the you know, he's six months into the dog game. He's a young kid who's come in and he's just starting yes. to learn to do a bit of obedience. I'm going to hit the love button on that and say, well done. That doesn't mean right. I say it's the best thing in the world. That's me saying, well done for sticking at it for six months. Because I know six months ago, your dog was real shit. Now, at least he's looking at you once every 20 minutes. Yeah, you've done something there. You, there's enough hate and there's enough negativity in the world for us not to be so judgmental about everything that's put out there that said i think good trainers good trainers recognize good work and what annoys me sometimes and you know it and i've seen it and i can point you to about i don't know multiple number of videos that i can show you where it's you know five hundred thousand views 10 likes i know you're watching right i know you're loving what you what you're seeing but i know it kills you to see what you're seeing right yes because it's just that to me is what annoys me the most is people wanting you to almost fail. And it's, it, it's so prevalent in the dog world because you just have to be in a... I think because everyone's in competition almost. Yeah. Like if you think about it, like there's a lot it, of reasons, let's say. So that is a form yeah. of competition already. Because someone has to be best. Because yeah. someone has to be... But I, I say there's no such thing as the... You could be the best at one thing. Doesn't mean you're the best at everything, right? Yeah. When I say... When we spoke about bull herders a second ago, I said to you, I can see their benefit. They are the best at something. But that doesn't mean I'm going to say, oh, because they're good at that, everyone else is shit, right? That doesn't, it doesn't work like that. And that's what it kind of annoys me sometimes is when this almost a very tribal, weird culture. If I'm in this clique, I cannot like yeah, anybody in that clique. If, if I breed bull herders, all of a sudden now I've got to say all Mali's are shit because that's why I'm doing it. If I breed Mali's, I've got to say all bull herders are shit. If I do presses, I've got to say this is shit. You know, and it's just, it's crazy because each, it's like cars, right? Yeah. I'll take a Ferrari to go do a nice tr- run day on a track. I'll take a rally car to do a rally track. I'll take a Land Rover to go off-road. But mm-hmm. I ain't going to take a Ferrari to go off-road. Right? It doesn't make sense, right? right. Vice versa, I'm not going to take a fucking Hummer to go on the Formula One track because I'll lose. And the whole point of this is being able to look at something and say, I like that about that dog. But for the same thing, you should be, as a person, able to say, I don't like that about dog and not be chastised. Yeah, you can't say that. Well, right? because some people live like vicariously through their dogs. And I don't know if you see this or not. So, like, people, they get a dog, they exude their toughness through the dog. And then you start asking the dog to do things that are super, super unreasonable and doesn't even make sense. So, like, there's the test with the dog. And they're like, oh, we're testing testing this dog's natural response to something, right? And then there's this big thing of, I ran your dog versus uh training confusion and if i explain that to somebody as a judge just say i'm judging the competition and there's a dog his tail's wagging he's excited but he doesn't engage the man and then the decoy's like get out of here i'm like he didn't he didn't really run that was confusion he's not scared of the man right and then and then there's a dog that shuts down and he's curled his tails and his ears back and then he's like and he runs back to his owner he won't even stand up right 
he got ran. You got what I'm saying? And there's a difference. And so people don't, they just try to live their life through a dog. And sometimes they still just like, uh, what, what the hell was I doing? Oh yeah. We was popping out on this dog in this, like a ghillie suit. Right. Yeah. But the dog, you know, this is about to happen, but the dog doesn't. Yeah. And there's this moment of like, what is that? And then they kind of look up. Some dogs engage. Some dogs start barking. <laughs> and I really don't feel like that's fair. Like, I mean, if an alien came that we've never seen before <laughs> and just jumped in front of us, I'm going to be like, oh, should I fight it? Should What should I, you know what I'm saying? I'm, it's just going to be a segment of confusion. And we expect the dog to see that, something that he's never seen before. And go yeah. forward. Right. So, so the Gilly Man for me is my one of my favorite things when I watch, right? Because it's probably the biggest load of shit that you can ever come across. You can train that, quote unquote, genetically, not so genetically, by effectively conditioning. So that's one way of doing it. Yeah. So there's the guys who will train their dogs in ghillie suits. First, they'll have the guy in the suit with the head out. So the dog knows. Then the guy gets a little bit lower. And then eventually, and eventually the dog knows I get a bite when I see that weird swamp thing walking. Right. That's one. And then they'll say, look how strong my dog is. It's done the ghillie man test. Okay, great. That's bullshit. Two is the type that have trained their dog when you say, Stellan, doesn't matter what it is in front of you, I, I bite it, right? So you train that over time and the dog just effectively just treats the bite as an object that I don't really care. I say, hopefully it's see, boom, Stellan, he's like, cool, I'm biting that, I'm biting this. You can put a glass man and he'll bite the glass, you know, bite a tree, he'll bite whatever it is. Again, not particularly impressive. It's just a case of you've trained that element through the dog God knows how many times. And then you'll see these poor bastards that will read the blurb Somebody will pause. Pure genetics. Never done it before. Never seen this before. Never. He's on his own home field. He's in the same fucking suit that he's been biting for 30 fucking months or whatever it is. He's in the same environment, pumped up, amped up, hearing all the dogs bark. And they're like, oh, it's pure genetics. And I said, there's, if you want to test genetics and you want to test the dog failing, it's very easy to arrange that. You know, there's a very easy test for it. But nobody wants to do that. What they want to do is they want to do these scenarios that are pre-scripted, well-worked, well-rehearsed, and the dog's done all the basic foundations of it, and then you do it. And that's why I say I feel sorry for the new guys that come in who buy into this. You know, it's like the surprise attack. You know, they buy into, oh, it's a real surprise, but it isn't a real surprise. That guy is geeing up the dog for the past 20 yards. He's telling him, watch him, watch him, watch him. What do you think the dog's going through his head? He's already ready to go, you know? It's not a real surprise attack if it's on your field or the dog's ready. Right. You're just looking at a dog that's under control if he's sitting down. Right. You're looking at I, dog I test my dog every once in a while, and I want it to be a true, true, true test. Like, I may be at a fast food restaurant, yeah. and I may be, have my dog with me, and I may call my buddy and say, hey, I'm about to go through the line, and I'm ordering my food. I want you to just come and just do your thing. He does it. My dog reacts the way it should. I'm happy. We may not do that for another year. Yeah. Um, with that being said, that some of those tests have its place. And I wouldn't wash a dog for that. I would wash yeah. it depending on how he failed. But just for like confusion, mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of wouldn't do that because I feel like that's unfair. But like surprise attacks stuff like that it's, there's a there's a, a gray area to where you know if your dog is uh is 
how he is when he's out of drive. You know how he is when he's at the house. If he shows you these little quirky things and he's like nervy because the trash bag moves a certain way or something falls in the kitchen. Yeah, you don't need to do a surprise attack. You know right. that those are happen. Right. You, yeah. you know that. So yeah. like if if I have a puppy and okay, just say I take out a whole litter and I back tie all of them to the fence. I'm going to put my shoe out. If he bites my shoe, I'm going to put a pipe out. I'm going to put different yeah. things that feel different in his mouth. This hasn't really failed me yet. A dog that grabs anything that comes in front of him is usually going to be good biting. He's going to be phenomenal in bite work. And then as far as nerve is concerned, I just let him out. I let him out. I let him see my pigs. I let him see what's the first thing that they do when they see something that they've never seen before. And then I just evaluate how they naturally act. Do they stop moving? I run, I shoot the gun, and I have them chasing me. If they're chasing me and they stop, when they hear it versus like, oh, this is just part of the game, and they keep going, you're going to have issues with that dog later on. Like, usually when I say I don't like that about him, it's coming back. Even if the dog does phenomenal, later on in life, you sell him to a police department or something, then they're calling you two years later say, oh, man, he failed. He didn't pass handler school, whatever. Yeah. But a lot of people just don't want to be honest with themselves and the dog and the selection. I agree, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I, I think, think sometimes, that's like, what we were just saying as well, like, earlier today, like, when you see, like, puppies and sometimes the initial reaction to something they don't like is normally what they're going to do when they're older. Like, they have they can have very 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 good recovery but they always revert back to that initial reaction but if it's something that they don't like most likely some freeze some run some go forward you know so there's only three really reactions and you know the ones that go back they might have very good recovery but you know and they might be okay with it after a few times seeing it but if it's something when they're older that they don't know and they see it that spook them again it's the same thing they're gonna the first reaction is to run but that's because, that, you know, and I can see that in a puppy. And I think everyone, you know, some people don't mind it, you know, that's depending on what you're doing. But I think these things, certain things you can see from my young age, like eight, seven, eight weeks old. Yeah, yeah. some things you definitely see I from a young age. Like, you got to know what you want to do. When you get a dog, you have to have a plan. Because some people are, are all over the place. They're like, oh, I'm going to do PSA. Then, oh, I'm going to do persecution. And, oh, I'm going to do this. And it switches so much that you're confused. confusing exactly. the dog through training. You know what I'm saying? So, because nothing's... It's not fair. Yeah. You're teaching, yeah, you're teaching him things that are not part of... The dog cannot... You cannot expect the dog to be everything to everyone. And that comes back to the next point, which is the biggest mistake I always find in a dog world is people confuse personal protection with guard dog, with sport, with PP, with deployment, yes. with agility with you know dog diver you know this this is the the biggest curse i think in the dog world is and it comes from and i'll be straight it comes from charlatans and it comes from people who are usually puppy peddlers who will try to grab as much of an audience as they can to say my dog is everything to all people and that then creates this illusion that these dogs are they can be everything they're the home pets that you can leave with your children unattended that are also the killers that can take on 20 men that are also home <laughs> guardians that will take on you know and they're also grow wings and they fly off when you know you know it's just it's absolute bullshit and the problem is nobody wants to call it out and it, it, it's it is the truth of what happens now you take a pup today and you look at its genetics and you look at things. There's certain things you can forgive, certain things you can't forgive, depending on what you're planning to do with the dog. Right. If I was planning tomorrow to do, I don't know, uh, 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 PSA with it, 
I would know that I need a certain level of drive, but do I really need a dog that is naturally suspicious? Do I really need a dog that is going to be hyper guardy around this, you know, around this stuff? Do I really, these are things then you go, is it going to matter to me if that dog isn't so, 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 but yeah. I'm probably a very good nerve, right? Vice versa. If I'm doing IPO tomorrow, I can probably forgive a dog that gets spooked once out of every, you know, hundred times when I can say, well, I never need to encounter these things when I'm doing this thing with this dog, right? right. I can live with it because he's ticks all these other boxes for me. But that bullshit where it's a hunting dog, it's an agility dog, it's a protection dog, it's a guardian, it's this, it, it, there isn't such a thing. You are going to lose things in certain aspects when a dog's doing certain things. Right. If you want it to be super chilled with kids, you cannot have a highly strong mallet. The minute someone says to me, my dog is fantastic with the children, I leave him with it. I just think, well, he must be quite a slow driven dog. He can't be that intense. It's just, mm-hmm. you, you just I know what they like. It, all it takes is for the kid to scream two things, pull on something, and a dog thinks, hey, it's the game. Let's go. Let me chase it. He's kids running something. He's running after it. They don't know about it. Then you have to correct the dog, right? Then you've got to say, no, no, no. Then you start breaking the dog's uh, uh, natural ability to get into, you know, flash. The, then he becomes a thinking dog, right? And then you say, how could then that same dog be that same type of level of intensity when it comes, you know? So it's just, it, it, it all, I, I just think it's too much of that going on where, you know, people trying to paint this broad brush. Yeah, and it even, it even breaks more down to picking that dog like right. you can have dogs in the litter and and i'll say hey this puppy is not like say somebody comes look at a dog a litter of puppies i'm like this dog's not for you he's a little too yeah. much he's a little too much for your liking i've sold you dogs before i know what you like this is not it and they're like man well i want a dog blah, 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 blah. Yeah, they want it. listen so, every rest- time i've compromised i end up getting a dog back almost every time like i just got a dog back because the dog is super, super, super high strung. I can't hold him. It's 10 weeks old. I cannot hold him without scruffing him and without getting bit. That's just yeah. is what it is. And then, you know, I sell him. The dog comes back. I'm talking about within a week. He's like, man, I can't, I can't do it. He's just, he's way different than the dog you gave before. I'm like, hey, I told you, you need a pet. You need a calm dog. You need a dog that's going to. You know, not calm. None of them are calm, but you need a dog that's going to be a little more even kill. As I said, there are different levels to it. And I think it's just that that concept of my dog is, you know, or I'm breeding the the dog for all people. This dog will be suitable for all jobs. Absolutely. Everything you put in front of it. It's just, it's, it's an illusion. And it's an illusion that even the craziest, most extreme, most unbelievably highly strong dogs cannot do certain things in certain environments it's just that there's no such thing as once you've seen enough dogs out and about and you know what they're like when they're off when they're switched on when they're you know you get to see and get to assess okay this dog is fantastic in this situation but you take that away from the dog and you start putting him in a i don't know totally different environment and he's a different dog he doesn't think of it that way a lot of it's uh marketing though like so like if like you said, it's it's going to come from people who have a product and they have to move it. And I don't know if you if you hear people talk and they'll they just say somebody puts on the concert. What are they going to say? This is the best concert you've ever done. Da, da, da. Nobody's going to say this is OK. Hey, OK, this is OK. It's mid-level. It's not too crazy. It's not blah, blah, blah. they're going to they're not going to play it down if they want the masses 
to give them attention. This is the best. This is the only. I'm the first. You know what I'm saying? All of those things are going to be, you know, and then it, especially if it's something new, if you mix two two dogs and that's not really a thing, and then you get your own line of type of dog, you know, people are going to go for that. And you have to think also that 75% more than that, it's probably 80% of the people on this planet are not educated dog people. Like they don't know nothing about dogs so they're just like hey those melon things seem to be pretty good just just imagine how you were when you bought the shepherd just imagine yourself in that state mayonnaise nice belgian mayonnaise that's it yeah that's a really nice belgian mayonnaise yeah yeah can i I have one please yeah (laughs) yes indeed so listen man we are about an hour and 18 minutes what 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 all gear do you guys have out now what gear gear like like the training vest the, the oh, fan. oh we've got we've got everything now so we're doing the um so we're hoping that between the uk and the us now it's become a lot easier to ship stuff so we're we're hoping we for we do we do yeah. ship quite a lot of stuff to the us so we've got the vests we do now three jackets. different types of vests well actually four different types of vests we do the jackets we do the skirts which are the utility belts and we're doing these um, trousers Uh, we've also got the new collars coming out in uh, 10 days so there'll be three different colors for that as well so yeah and obviously the fans the anyway fans which is you know we've in europe now they're probably one of the most sold uh, fans out here um so yeah we're still busy doing what we do with the brand and we're still pushing it and obviously constantly learning trying to get better and better but yeah we're hoping in the next two to three years if things get better with corona we get to title these dogs and work settles down a little bit we're planning to do a little road trip to the usa hopefully grab a little rv (laughs) get some of the dogs over and just travel coast to coast really and see everybody and try to meet people and if we do psa that'd be even cooler yeah oh that'd be great that'd be great y'all have to come kick it here though (laughs) Oh, for sure. We're coming straight over, bro. Yeah, don't, don't be going to nowhere else. And then guess what I'm going to make when y'all come? Cheese. Don't make nothing with cheese in it. Yeah. No cheese. No cheese. <laughs> Sweet tea. Were you, were you there when I made the tea? Yes, oh, that was amazing. That was, that was amazing. Yeah, so that was like the trip, part, part of the whole trip. I'm like, I need sweet tea. Who's the guy? Uh, uh, What's the guy's name? Who's the guy who, who kind of helped us out and hosted us, drives around? Uh, long okay. hair. He has his wife is like an actor or girlfriend's like an yeah, actor. Yeah, Richard. Yeah, Rich. Okay. So, yeah, Richard, I had him take me to the store. And I'm like, man, I, I really need tea to make this tea. So they was looking at me so weird until I made it. And I was, yeah, like, they were like, I was like, who's this guy? He's come all the way from America. Like, always milk yeah, yeah like, you're putting milk yeah. in the tea. I'm like, no, no, that's not how you do it, bro. You have to put the hot water, boil the tea bags, yeah. put some sugar in it, mix it up, let it sit, get some ice. Yeah, I, I swear I made like three gallons that, that one night. It was you, going. You, you were the chef. You were cooking some stuff, man. Yeah, yeah I made the uh, uh, taco salad and the grilled chicken. I remember that. That yep, was yep. nice. Yeah, that was nice. Oh, that's what I said. You, you, we, we had our debates about cheese. That's where I remember. I recall this conversation back then, and I was like, "Look, American cheese isn't real cheese." And you know, the whole, and you're like, "How could you insult a whole continent?" I was like, "Dude, you guys need to check out your ingredients. This isn't real cheese. I mean, that's why we don't import your cheese over here." And you're like, "Oh no, my cheese is the best cheese." I was like, "Dude, this cheese doesn't even melt." I'm, I'm like a, I'm like a cheese connoisseur, though. I mean, like from the time that I was little, you probably can ask my parents this. 
I eat cheese on everything. Cheese on my eggs, cheese on my grits, cheese potatoes, cheese on my almost everything. You can put cheese on anything and it's going to taste good almost. I, I didn't eat really a lot of vegetables. So if I if I wanted to eat vegetables, I put cheese on to make it taste better and eat it. That's it. Cheese, cheese is the magic formula, man. Cheese, cheese. We're gonna do it again. We're gonna do it again, yeah, man. For sure, for out, sure. Man. We, I yeah. definitely have to get back over there. Um, yeah. So I'm probably gonna post this. I don't know when, man. Um, it'll probably be a few days before I finish editing and everything to put out. But yeah, I'll send it to you. But, yeah, man. So it was nice having you guys on. We're completing episode four, and I'm definitely going to get back to the UK whenever they lift this stupid COVID ban. Crazy shit, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've enjoyed it, bro. Thank you yeah. for the time. Yeah. All right, man. You guys have a nice day. God bless. Have a safe yeah. day. Take care, bro. Take All righty. Care.